Yo, welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, John Solo. I'll be talking to touring musicians, artists, producers, engineers, and crewmen all around the world. I'm interested in knowing what brings people to this crazy lifestyle and how music became their passion. I, for one, have spent most of my life in front of a keyboard and continue to learn and understand why it is I do what I do. I feel honored and privileged to have worked and become friends with many of the guests on this show. And for those of you who don't understand what hotel life is about, you're listening to Late Checkout. All right, welcome. I'm in, uh, where are we at? We're in Munster, Munster. Germany. Yeah. I'm with Simon Kemp, audio tech extraordinaire. Actually, you're my first guest who's outside of the musician realm, which is kind of exciting for me. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we're sitting on a pool deck outside of our hotel overlooking a lake with birds flying by, living the tough tour life. Oh, it is tough, mate. Two days of, <laughs> two days of toughness. Tough to, and then we're going to go golfing this afternoon, so that's, that's uh, kind of... Yeah. Awful. awful. <laughs> you really can't complain when you have days like this on the road, right? Mate, this is like a dream, isn't it? This yeah. Is where it all, this is what I do it for, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long have you been touring? Let's get. Let's go right into it. All right. Um, I first started when I was 21. 21. So, let's see here. You were born in Portsmouth, right? Or, yeah. Where's that at? Portsmouth, UK. So, that's like south, south coast, right at the bottom of the UK in the middle, before okay. you get to the Isle of Wight. It's as far south as you can get. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. What did you do growing up there? Did you did you just start playing music early or? No, I didn't really. I tried. I was really into sports when I was a kid. Oh, okay. I was, I was not into music whatsoever. Couldn't stand it. Um, but my dad owns a sound company, sound lighting, videoy kind of company down there. Um, and my brother, my brother got into it at a really young age. My brother's like two years older than me, and he loved it. He went out with my dad all the time. They went and did all these like rock and roll and blues festivals and folk festivals and stuff. And wow. They loved it. I was not interested at all. I thought I was going to be a cricket player or something like that. Or a football player. Nah, not football. More cricket. Um, <laughs> and golf, right? And golf. Yeah, that was the dream. Um, and I put it off. I, I put it off till I was about 16. And then I was like, I actually do like this, but I, I really don't want them to know kind of thing you know I, I didn't when you were in high school or what do you call it uh, 16 was like the end of secondary school secondary school that's what you yeah mean. and I, I was kind of like I want to do this but I don't want to be involved in what they're doing I want to do something different what were they doing exactly so, so they were doing that they were like they were doing these like local folk festivals and blues festivals setting up all the audio gear yeah they supplied the PA and the lighting and stuff and then they, they mix it and and they, they had a, like they have they still have a great thing going on there they're really good they're really good at what they do do they do big festivals now or is it no they've kept it kept it pretty local it's like a local regional company they do Portsmouth Southampton kind of all around that kind of south central area um, so anyway so I was I didn't want to do I wanted to do it but I didn't so I wanted to do some I wanted to kind of get into the big stuff if you you know what I mean I was like yeah. I want to do what you do but I want to kind of <coughs> you want to go on tour big, and stuff do and I didn't even really know about touring then to be honest with you I just knew I wanted to do like the biggest stuff mm -hmm. so I went to college and I did um, video engineering so video I, engineering yeah so I kind of thought I wanted to go down the broadcast TV route you know oh interesting so I kind of wanted to do what they did but a little bit different and a little bit kind of um, bigger, I guess you'd call it. So I went down that route. So I um, went to college for three, four years in South London. What, uh, what college was that? It was called Ravensbourne Design, of Com Design and Communication. Oh, so it was meant for that. College of Design and Communication. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very much like, it was two things. It was either a fashion university or a broadcasting university. It was Interesting. Split, split in half. Oh, so that's where like a lot of I feel like athletes go. Uh, they they go to schools like that after they retire, they get into broadcasting or something. And yeah, I mean that. This was this is like a really small college. It was only <coughs> a thousand people. Oh, nice. Yeah, I went to the same thing, like a small college, like arts college. It's yeah, six hundred fifty students is it's pretty fun, right? Like having such a small like uh, community of people. Yeah, it was really nice, and it was um it was like one of the BBC's kind of like training facilities, like college training facilities. Wow. So. Yeah, I managed to kind of blag my way into there. Overall, like, what were you learning there? No 
out, really. It's all on the job training anyway. Right? <laughs> when I think about when I think back on it, I really don't remember it. How did you graduate? Did you do the whole thing? Yeah, I got went away with a BA honors in um, digital broadcast engineering. You got course. honors. Yeah, and you just don't know what you were doing there. And mate, <laughs> but it was all broadcasting. It was all like little sound orientated, but to do with broadcasting. It wasn't yeah. had to do with video. No, not less video. Uh-huh. I can't remember any of the video stuff. So the way, so this is like you said you wanted to start around sixteen. You were getting interested in sixteen after, S- yeah. after you realized your cricket profession was not going to happen. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so then you jumped into you went to college or eighteen, uh, nineteen. So so I went to co- yeah. Well, first of all, you go in the UK. You go to like sixth form college. Oh okay. And sixth form takes you from like sixteen to eighteen, and then eighteen to twenty one, twenty D. You go to university. You know. So I did a local college till I was eighteen, doing TV and video. Or I think it was called TV and video. Yeah. And then I did Ravensbourne University from like 18 to 21 or 22. Interesting. Um, and by the time I'm last year of university, I just realized I hated it. I hated yeah. everything about broadcasting. Oh, man. Yeah, it just it wasn't, wasn't your thing. It wasn't my thing at all. It was all, it's very clever. They're very smart people, but it's just very slow and yeah. it takes a minute to, to do everything, you know? It's very methodical and thought out and it's, not really not really me yeah now, now that I do know you you don't like you don't even like the studio as soon as you get in there you're like wow this is too slow and boring I just get itchy fit yeah, yeah. With it. so when you decided you were wanting to get out of broadcasting did you immediately start did you like work back for your dad's company or did you uh... yeah so I kind of yeah exactly I kind of reverted back to what my dad did and I was like well I just well, I just want to do that I just want to do what he does but, but bigger basically yeah, and my brother was already kind of well established in that company. And I, I didn't want to go in and tread on anybody's toes or anything, and it'd be awkward between me and my brother and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to stay separate from it all, but do do the same train of thought, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was a company. There was a a big or big bigger company called Major Tom, who um, is owned by this guy called Lars Brogard, who is a Danish guy who started up a company in the UK a sound company and it progressed into a lighting video everything company it's they're kind of a big 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 deal now so just so happened that my dad knew a guy that was was kind of running that place a guy called Chris Marsh and um, he called him and said um, my son's just leaving university you know any any openings and he was like no Nothing, nothing going on. <laughs> if he's your son, he's not going to be very smart. <laughs> so, uh, and then I didn't really think about it. Kicked around for a couple of months um, in London, and then he called. He called me, and he said, "Look, we've just quit. The guy that was working here just just quit or got fired. Do you want to come and come and see what's going on?" So I went out there. And, and uh, where is this company located? So they're based in the middle of nowhere in Salisbury. Salisbury. In the middle of the country. I don't know where that is. That's in England, right? So Salisbury's <laughs> right by Stonehenge. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I know where that is. Or I've heard of it. So Stone, yeah, so that's basically what it's got in Stonehenge. Okay. <laughs> that's what it's known for. That's what it's known for, yeah. <laughs> okay. it's, it's beautiful, though. Like it's, And this place was in the middle Stonehenge of nowhere. Stonehenge is beautiful. Stonehenge is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Salisbury's that. <laughs> Salisbury's really nice. But it's in the middle of nowhere. The only reason you'd go there is for Stonehenge, I think, pretty much. Yeah, I bet there's just tourists all the time like out there looking at it tourists and yeah just like the kind of simple country life kind of thing you know so and how far is that from London geographically like oh like an hour and a half hour and a half north west west yeah oh, okay yeah so yeah it would be right in the middle yeah you just shoot out on the like <laughs> I don't forget what it's there but you shoot out on the M3 <laughs> <laughs> the M3 then, for all the there you go A3 A3 and you're you're laughing it's no great. problems yeah. no worries yeah no worries no Google Maps <laughs> So, um, yeah, anyway, it's in the middle of the country, and it's, it's just designed to look like a house, but there's, a, there's this kind of big company based there. So I went out there, and they got first two days, they got me just cleaning speakers. These speakers had just come back off of, like, I don't know where they'd come back off, but some horrible festival or something. Filled with mud and dust. Covered in mud. Yeah. 
and that was my introduction. To cleaning it. speakers, I never even knew that happened. Dude, <laughs> there's a lot of speaker cleaning going on. Really? What oh, you, mate. How do you clean them? With water? Yeah, just soapy water. Ugh. Hot soapy water. This big, the, all the things that are hanging. Oh, these things are huge as oh, well. They're like the gosh. biggest things I've ever seen. That's how they always start you, right? You got to do the worst job first. Oh, totally. Yeah, and, it, and I think if you don't, and you, you come into it expecting, you know, to go in mixing or whatever then you haven't done it the right way around you know you've got to start like with any job I think you've got to start at the bottom yes and you've got to learn the appreciation of what that job is at the top yeah yeah exactly totally I was pulling cobwebs out of them and cleaning them and stuff and I pretty much hated it to be honest with you how long did you do this? so I worked in their shop I worked in their shop for about two years I reckon oh wow you put in some time then yeah a year and a half two years just and, I, and I, I really started to love it. I really started to kind of dig the whole process of prepping gear, cleaning gear. You know, that was the whole thing there. You'd, you'd maintain gear, get it all nice. But I don't think anyone realizes how much time and effort goes into, you know, looking after pro, like touring audio oh, yeah. equipment. It is ridiculous. Well, you know, I don't have any idea. <laughs> oh, you don't, mate. <laughs> no, you just get your tech over. <laughs> Matt, set the keyboards up. <laughs> um. So yeah, you guys do you do a lot of stuff with the speakers. <laughs> you do a lot, yeah, it's pretty boring. That's in my head. Yeah, exactly. You do. Speak, just playing with speakers. So, but yeah, you were in the shop for a couple of years. Do you do any actual technical work, like actually repairing these things if something goes wrong? Uh, I had a crack at it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it went out any better than when it when it was broken, but I, it wasn't really my. To be totally honest with you, I'm not particularly technical, like in terms of fixing and mending things, like. I can have a crack at stuff and I like to make a few bits and bobs but I wouldn't say that's my forte I just really like the organisation of things and getting stuff sorted you know that's always going out you know that's two trucks worth of gear over there that's two trucks of gear over there it's all labelled it's all barcoded it's all sorted out all yeah. that kind of stuff and you know how to piece it together and plug it all in exactly but, yeah but you've, got, you've got to make it so it's touring friendly it's got to go up in you know a huge system's got to go up in two or three hours <coughs> and then come down in an hour and a half you know so it has to be really quick so I, I like that I like the process um, and then I really didn't want to go on tour all the people were coming and going from tour and they had all the stories and stuff <laughs> what kind of stories just, oh, just, just miserable just being miserable yeah the bass player the piano player was such a jerk off yeah that guy he didn't do anything <laughs> he didn't touch any gear he the whole the, time he didn't do anything <laughs> easiest job in the world um yeah, so that kind of stuff. But yeah, you heard all the stories, like the <coughs> classic touring stories, and and I, ju- I just wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. And then it got to. And you mean, were like 23, 24. I was yeah. about twenty three, I guess. Yeah, twenty two, yeah. twenty three. And uh, so they were. They had a Lionel Richie tour out, and they had uh, a team out. So they provide the people. They provide all the equipment, and they provide like a, a PA team. You know, like a couple of guys to hang the speakers a guy to like tech the stage stuff you know yeah. like plug all the stage stuff in a guy to do front of house there was like 50 Techie. people probably right for Lionel or for the whole crew you know you... me and Lionel go way back I'm gonna refer to him as Lionel yeah, yeah. <laughs> old LR um, yeah the overall scheme of things is probably like 50 but f- for the audio department there was like four guys provided by the PA company and then there'd be like two guys you know provided by the tour to mix it you know monitors front of house oh interesting so Anyway, one of the guys quit or got fired. I don't know what happened. And they didn't have anybody else to send out. And I was just in the shop, you know, doing my thing. And Lars said to me, he was, he was like, you know, you're going out and doing Lionel Richie. And I was like, I, I don't want to go. And he was like, what are you talking about? Of course you're going. I was like, I <laughs> honestly, I'm not in, I'm So not your interested. career started by turning down a tour with Lionel Richie. My career, <laughs> yeah, my career start, started by basically... I didn't want to do it. Like, I didn't want to go on tour. I never wanted to do the tour. Where was the tour? Is it in Europe? It was bouncing around Europe. Yeah. So it wasn't even like you have to go that far away. No, mate. It was like an it was like an hour flight, hour and a half somewhere <laughs> in Germany. And like a two week run, six shows or something like that. <laughs> no, it was a long tour. It was uh, like a three or four month tour, <coughs> and oh, I think yeah. they were like halfway through. But I was adamant I didn't want to do it, and he was like, "You're going," and I, I was like, I'm "Honestly, I don't want to go." So I left it a couple of days, and then the. It got to the point where he was like, Simon, you're, you're going. <laughs> and, I, and he didn't want to do I this. I didn't want to do it. He, he like begged you to go on tour. But he didn't beg, he just told me. Yeah. Like, I didn't have a choice. I was like an employee. So I was, 
I didn't get a chance. So because he's probably used to most people being like, "Oh, really? I'm going to do that." Well, you're exactly. Like, yeah, that's why most. You're like, people... no, I like cleaning speakers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no one's ever said that. <laughs> yeah. No one in the history of audio tech no. said they like cleaning speakers. No, exactly. I don't want to go on tour and get paid really well. I'd rather stay here and clean speakers. Like everyone was just baffled. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of baffled myself. Yeah, right it was. It was a really strange decision, but because I kind of thought that everybody who toured was like, there was this kind of like they were all super smart and they were they were the only people that could do it and <laughs> no they're not I had this, super like, smart pre- <laughs> no. no it turns out quite the opposite but you know when you have like a preconceived <laughs> idea of how people are you know I thought that they you know they were so fast and I don't know what you didn't think you could keep up I didn't think like, I could keep up yeah. I didn't think I was clever enough yeah as it transpires. <laughs> You've seen those guys though, right? When you went to concerts when you were younger, you know, and like between bands, you see those guys come out and I'm like, whoa, those guys look beat down. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Haggard. Yeah, all in black and they're checking the microphone. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, I didn't know what, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect and I just didn't think I'd be good at it was my thing. And I guess that's always been my thing. I've never you done something. You didn't have confidence. Isn't that the British way though? Like, yeah, I don't know about not. Yeah, I guess I don't know about not confidence. I just I've never done anything unless I think I'm going to be good at it. Oh, okay. I don't. I'm not kind of. You know, what I'm like I'm quite competitive, and I don't really. I don't really get into something unless I feel like I'm going to either win or be good at it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I just. And anyway, <clears throat> they flew me out. I went and did it. Got there. Realised that everyone was really dumb. <laughs> what was your job exactly? So I was I was like the stage tech, so I'd plug in all the microphones on stage and okay. make sure it all worked and how many microphones like was it a big setup? Uh, not 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 especially like I don't know 50 odd inputs or something like that. 50, that's a lot. Well, to me that is. Yeah. I don't even know like what it's a lot actually. Oh, like 200? 200? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, well, we'll get into that later. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but um, it does it's it doesn't make it better. It just makes it more boring and convoluted, you know? Like, it's never made it any better. So, so 50 channels with Lionel, what is it like a... Like I said, Lionel, go back. We, you know, I have to yeah, you I speak to him on yeah, the yeah, first yeah, name yeah, basis. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was... Um, so, like, you know, drums, bass, they had, like, a full band and a playback situation? Or? Exactly, yeah. So it's like a five-piece band and then playback and okay. all the rest of it, yeah. So you were just pinning the stage or whatever, they're just plugging in the plug microphone, it, yeah, exactly. make sure it all works. Just plug it all in. So that's 50 it. microphones you have to plug in every day. Yeah, just all sorts of bits and bobs. But it was a relatively, if you were going to do one, it was a relatively simple setup to kind of start on. It wasn't too bad. So um, did that, finished that tour, really, like, really loved it really loved it got really good feedback um, so you enjoyed it you enjoyed the travelling and the I bus loved, and yeah I just didn't know anything about it and mm-hmm. then once you do it you know touring is kind of both things isn't it it's really addictive and really annoying at the same time yeah oh man in that life though right uh, yeah <laughs> everything can get really fun and then really hard to deal with yeah it's the best and the worst of everything isn't it, it is you see everybody at their best and at their worst mm-hmm. it's really tough and you have to learn to let things go and it's actually it, it's like it's almost like you're seeing a therapist when you're on the road to me because you're, you're constantly having to like you, you gain perspective and lose perspective all yeah. day like yeah. some days you're like even within the hour you're like man look at this beautiful like lake we're sitting by this is amazing and then maybe like an hour later like the bus will be a little late or something and then you're like what we yeah. gotta do this and then you just hate your life you're so annoyed <laughs> yeah. the smallest things the smallest things set you off or the you go in and you're like wait our, our rooms aren't ready yet oh we gotta wait two hours yeah. oh, what am I gonna do in this in Paris for two hours yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> am I going to go get some coffee or something? Furious. <laughs> totally furious. And, and it's weird with touring as well. The other thing that I've learned is that the more, or not just touring, but the, the more you see of the world and the more you travel and the more you travel nicely and the more you're looked after, the more you come to expect it. Yeah, and that you, is the hard part. Yeah. And then the more you like, um, the more the harder it is to find things in life that excite you. You know, you, you think about going away with your missus or something, you're like, anybody, any normal couple would be you know let's go let's go to Spain for the for five days because that's exciting because we've done it so much you know like we now have to like go really far afield to to make things exciting you know like do you know know what I mean oh I know what you're saying really really weird and I don't mean that in an arrogant way I just mean you know like if you go out for dinner like you you sit at home with your missus now and like what should we eat tonight oh yeah we could have sushi 
Well, I always say my vacation is uh, after tour. Vacation is like just being in my apartment and then going to the gym within the you know walking. That's kind of what that's a vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, It's true. Yeah. So anyway, you're with Lionel. You're you're plugging in things. You did the tour. You get back. Then what happened? Did Lionel? um, Yeah, got back. All good. Went back. You know, worked in the shop again. I was cut. I was back to cleaning speakers like you wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was full time for those guys. So I, I would, and and then for the next four or five years I'd bounce between that and doing tours and just with Lionel no no Lionel didn't Lionel toured about every I'd say two years and I did and I did his tours like three or four in a row for over six or eight years um, in Europe and then in between that it was just all sorts of things like I can't oh I don't even know what now did you end up like progressing in that job you weren't just plugging in cables did you end up doing other jobs as well yeah yeah so I was I probably did the tech they call that teching you know like monitor teching or stage teching or whatever probably did that for about four five years so you Um, ended up running monitors and then I started doing monitors yeah exactly okay so people who don't know monitors is it's what you're running the sound for the musicians on stage, so what they hear is what you're running. You're essentially doing mixes for every person on stage. Yeah. Which is uh, can be very uh, challenging, <laughs> to say the least. Depends who's on stage, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, monitors is um, he's taking all the individual inputs from the stage, microphones, mixing them to different mixes whether it be in-ear monitors or wedges or whatever however they are <laughs> and in-ears are meaning like little headphones that yeah, everybody headphones, wears yeah. and wedges are on the, the speakers on the stage exactly and that's a choice of the musicians how they hear themselves and mm-hmm. other people you know it's i feel like monitors is the most difficult job like well simon right now you don't know people don't know if you're listening is um he does our front of house so he's doing the sound out front that the audience hears yeah um but when you're on stage, you're basically just getting yelled at by a bunch of dickheads on stage. Basically, Five musicians yeah. yelling at one guy like, I can't hear my keyboard, turn that up, yeah. like in the middle of a song. like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, You have to be really diplomatic as well, you know, like that end of things is, um, is a fine balance between, you know, telling people a little bit, because sometimes you have to, musicians have to be told as well, you know. It's true, because um, you don't like, when I first started getting... When I first started using in-ears, I didn't quite know exactly what I wanted. Like, I didn't know how it went. And I thought I knew what a good mix sounded like. But it takes a time to figure that out, yeah. exactly what you want and what you need. Um, I find it better for me when I just let the monitor engineer give me what they think sounds good. And then, and then I'll you just tweak de- it from there. Tweak yeah. from there. But it is better just to let them do it. Because if I'm like, oh, wait, more kick drum, less kick drum, it's like, nah. I can't deal with, like, all the drums and all that other stuff, really. Yeah, and the, and the monitor engineer has... has uh, has the luxury of knowing all of it. You know, you only know your mix, you only know what you want to hear. You know, he he knows that there may be a reason why he can't give you more of that or less of that. There, there may be external reasons why mm-hmm. things are how they are. You know, sometimes, sometimes a bad sound is a bad sound not because somebody's doing a bad job, but because there's reasons that go into it, to it that it is a bad sound, you know? There's, exactly. There's a lot of reasons behind a lot of sounds of how they are you know how how mixes why mixes are like they are and that but nobody people just judge everything on face value so you know you put a pair of headphones on it sounds bad or it sounds good you know but if it sounds bad maybe there's a reason why it sounds bad and maybe that guy's the only guy that really knows why it can't sound how you want it to you exactly. know so it but you're right it's the most thankless job in the world it is just looking after the people on stage you're doing a front of house guy what I do on this I'll just do one mix which goes to the PA a balance of the band and no one knows what it sounds like so you, we can't complain to you about it no one knows which is great <laughs> not <laughs> even the artists they're just like they have no, no idea we're like oh, I hope it sounds good out front ideal yeah <laughs> oh, that's why I went out there um, <laughs> but yeah on stage you're doing five or six or ten or however many mixes for however many people are on stage everybody has their own discrete individual mix of what they want and so, how long did you do that with, with Lionel then so I didn't I didn't do monitors for Lionel till I was about 20 
eight, twenty-seven. So you have to work your way up to that. You job, work your it way. Seems up. like it. Like you, they don't just give that to a rookie coming. No, in. no, no. You you really have to work your way up and know all the intricacies of everything that goes on from plugging it all in, you know, up to. Yeah, because if something goes wrong, you want to have an idea of what maybe what the problem is. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and also again, you might have to be the guy that tells the artist, you know, you can't have this or. You know, like, it's not all about giving everybody. So you're telling what they Lionel, hey, Lionel, let me tell you something. <laughs> I know <laughs> you want more vocal. Stop, stop, stop. Yeah. <laughs> but no, look, no one's listening to your vocal as much as you think. Yeah, you? stop being selfish. <laughs> yeah. No one's coming for you. <laughs> so you Did you mix this? Because I know that some artists, like Madonna, has her own, like, just for her, and then they have a band monitor engineer. Yeah. So were you doing him as well? No, Lionel, I did all of it. It was him and the bands. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think. Was well, he. Uh, it was he easy to work, like mix for? Yeah, he's a sweetheart. He's the nicest, nicest really? guy in the world. Yeah. I usually don't get into personal things on this podcast, but I figured since he's famous, we can talk. About oh, him I like don't that. think you'd mind being called the nicest guy in yeah. the world either. <laughs> no, though. no, he's always he seems really nice. I've only seen him obviously on TV and stuff, but and he's he's legit super talented. You know, yeah. he sits down at the piano and you're kind of mesmerized so yeah you're like oh that's why he's famous he's actually yeah. good at what he does wait he's got like 20 like unbelievable songs yeah it? oh I bet what working for him is incredible like every song is a hit like totally yeah you just the whole night is just like just you can't even believe someone wrote that many good songs I know it's not, and he did he wrote all of them they're all his you know it's, it's insane it's yeah. not been written by somebody else didn't he so did you end up being in Vegas with him is, is that what happened no so he does do he does do a show in Vegas he mm. does a show at Planet Hollywood I was in Vegas with Mariah Carey. Oh, okay. Well, so was that after Lionel? So that was after Lionel, yeah. So you yeah. started working with Mariah. So how did you get into that? From how, What was that transition? So Mariah Carey was... Um, I was asked if I wanted to go and do it over in uh, Caesars Palace in Vegas. Um, and how old were you here, like... Oh, this was relatively recent. This is about three, four years ago, so 29, 30, something like that. Was there anything between Lionel Richie and, and Mariah Carey? Oh, yeah, loads. Just tons of stuff. Loads of stuff, yeah. Um, God, I don't even know. Like, one of my favourites ones that I did, did was Brian Setzer. Do you know Brian Setzer? Yeah, Stray definitely. Cats. That was one of my favourites. I did two or three tours with him. He was... He was unreal. He was amazing. Really? That band has, sounds like it has a lot of energy. And, yeah. And, um, oh, so you were mixing... Where you do monitors? I was doing monitors. Oh, that must him. have been like a full big band, right? With horns? And- no, it was like a rockabilly riot thing. So we had like two drummers, two bass players. Whoa. Boogie woogie piano. Like it was it was mad, but it was fun. Everybody's on full volume the whole oh, time. Oh, mate, it was, it was full on, yeah. There's no dynamics in that. <laughs> <laughs> but he is, he's unreal. Like, is he's, he? He's a freak. Wow. He is amazing. So man. there's another reason, like, oh, this is why this guy's really famous and big, too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel really lucky, actually. I've done some really cool cool things and some really genuinely talented people. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, oh, mate, all sorts all sorts of things. We did some, um, God, I don't even know now, different artists. Do We did the, all the Michael Jackson rehearsals before he died. Oh, well, yeah, so tell me about that. I'm kind of curious. So... You were on the, like, what was it? The This Is It was the last, that, that documentary that came out. Yeah, so... You worked, um, how many, so it was like two months of rehearsals or so? How long was this before he died? Oh my God. So this, so this was, so we started doing rehearsals probably about three or four months before he died. So we started... Uh, how um, did you get that job, by the way? So that was through Major Tom, who, they got the contract to do it. So there was a, there was a lot... Big, it was a big thing so it was like everybody all the PA companies all around the world were bidding on it you know um, to uh, to get the to get the deal for it and it just so happened that Major Tom this company in the UK relatively bespoke company yeah they're not huge right they're not huge they're not yeah. one of the big big players you know they're top 10 or so I'd say but more to it down you know 8 or 9 in, in terms of size you know and they got the contract so I was just finishing up a, I don't even know what it was, Spandau Ballet Tour or something like that. I don't even remember what it was. You know, 80s bands. I don't know, know them, no. Spandau Ballet. Like, you remember that song, Gold? No, it must have just been big in UK. And Probably, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I was just finishing up there. We were in, like, Austria or something, and uh, I got a call to say, do you want to go out and do this mystery artist? And I was... I was like, okay, well, who is it? And they were like, well, we can't tell you yet. We'll have to tell you in a few days. So I was like, oh, oh man. Cloak, cloak and dagger. Um, 
and then a couple of days later literally at the same time they booked me a flight they got me a flight to LA and they said it's Michael Jackson and to be totally honest with you I didn't it was cool it was like oh wow that's a, that's a huge deal but I kind of believed what everybody else believed at the time you know that, that he was a bit of a bad dude and you know yeah just whatever we read in the media exactly yeah. and I, I just I didn't really have an opinion I just believed whatever <clears throat> yeah. I heard in the paper you know so I went into it a bit like ah whatever yeah it's probably cool. never talked to him who cares anyway right? yeah I'll never see him it'll be fine you know mm-hmm. so um so we did rehearsals we did centre staging in, a, in Burbank we did about I think it was like ten weeks there or nine weeks there just doing band rehearsals in centre staging in centre staging was that yeah. a, oh well, that's just so in Burbank yeah I've actually yeah I've been there it's huge yeah it's one huge one of those big the big room there yeah exactly the big room I think they sold it but it's like number one or whatever it, it could is. hold like 600 people in there itself it's right? a big old yeah. rehearsal room yeah <clears throat> so we did that and then so how long was that three weeks that was, no, that was about nine weeks. Nine weeks? Yeah. Just, just rehearsing the band. Just was that. the show already, like, figured out, like... No, no, it was really early stages. I mean, the band had just been pulled together. they just got the sickest band you've ever seen in your yeah. life to oh, come man. in. Michael Bearden was the MD, and yeah. I just I just pulled this band out of nowhere. Well, I figure, you figure if Michael Jackson gets the call... Yeah, know, I mean, they're all going to drop whatever they're yeah. doing and, and get there. Yeah, like the dancers as well. They just got these dancers who were just losing their minds. Oh, well, I saw that on the documentary. It was very obvious that they were losing their minds. Oh, mate, it was (laughs) ridiculous. How often did you get to do that? They flew them in from all over, I saw. Yeah, all over the place, yeah. So they're rehearsing. What did you do during this process in the rehearsals? So I was doing, like, a liaison with him, like, with his microphones and his in-ear systems and all that kind of stuff. And generally looking after, like, there was so much stuff going on. The technical setup was was huge. It was massive. Wow. You know, 200 inputs of stuff, you know, it was it was crazy. So I was looking after that, the stage side of things, and looking after Mike Purich was the monitor engineer, this monitor engineer that they'd got, a veteran guy, and I was looking after him as well. So I was double busy. I was just running around looking after everybody, you know. So he, so we got the call and they were like, he's coming in today, you know, for the first time. He'll come in and, you know, it's the typical kind of, <laughs> dare I say it, but the typical kind of American vibe that they, you know, like, the artist's coming in, don't look at the artist, you know, look at the floor and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's like, oh, don't really? look in his eyes. Yeah. What's He'll he, freak out. Was he Methuselah? <laughs> he might have stone. a heart <laughs> It's like, relax, it's fine, I get it, he's a big deal, it's fine, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard of his name. Yeah, it's fine, relax. I'm sure he knows that everybody's heard of him at this Yeah, point. exactly. <laughs> like, he's coming in. It's like, oh, Jesus, calm down. Well, so, maybe they were used to people in the past just, like, totally losing it. Like, I'm sure. Starstruck, like, I'm sure they were, but, yeah. like, I find that a lot with more American artists that it's, like, hyped up a lot more, you know? Yeah. Whereas the UK is a bit... They're a bit more kind of like... You got like, Noel Gallagher just talking Yeah, it's shit. like, relax. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. You know, and if you treat him like rock stars, they're like, why are you treating me like a rock star? Yeah. Chill out. Yeah. So, anyway, he came in, and it was like, he was coming in just to pick which headset microphone he wanted. Yeah. You know, because he wore a headset microphone. Yes. Like a Britney Spears microphone. Yeah. And it was connected to the in-ears? I don't really... No, it wasn't connected to the in-ears. Oh, it was just separate. It was just a mic that went, like, over his ears and then round and yeah. gooseneck round and sat in front so he could dance, you know? and be hands free mm-hmm. so he was coming in to pick this and we had like 20 we had all the manufacturers from all over the world like wanting him to use their microphone you know it was yeah. like a big deal if you're, wow. in, if you're into that thing it was huge you know <laughs> so he came in and uh, we were exp- it was all hyped up and everyone was like he's going to want to make it gold or he's going to want to make it uh, diamonds <laughs> or fucking unicorns or whatever you know and it was like, oh, okay, right, relax. So we got him all laid out, and he came in. He was like, hi, I'm Michael. We were like, yeah, we know. So now you're on a first name basis. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm like, Yo, MJ. Yeah. I got some microphones for you. To Rough check idea out. who you are, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was like, from that day onwards, I was like, you're the coolest cat in the world. He was just, he was like, which, which he introduced himself, which was, you know, like, we know who you are, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay, I've come to pick which microphone. And we were like, look, we've got them all here, you know, like, you tell us which one. And he was like, well, which one sounds the best? And we were like, well, this one's the one we think sounds the best, you know. Nice. And he was like, okay, that's perfect. That's the one I'll use then. Awesome. And, and we were like, well, do you want to make it a different color or customize it or anything? He was like, no, no, black, black's fine. 
And then he, there was like three of us there. He gave us a little hug and then he left. And then he left. And all was, the hype for nothing. All the hype. And that was our fir- first interaction with him. And he was the nicest human being ever. Wow. That's such a cool story, actually. And like, then from then on, I was just like, I don't believe any of that stuff in the in the paper, you know? Like, there's no way you can be like that, you know? He seemed very, like, supportive of his band members uh, during that documentary. I really enjoyed the way he he worked with the musicians on stage. He was very, like very pragmatic but then very positive like he, he obviously wanted to go somewhere he had a vision but he wouldn't just be like yeah you guys suck this is not happening he'd just be like you know what we're not there yet but we're, we're gonna get there yeah. and I always really I always think about that one line how he said we're gonna get there I think about that all the time because it, with every band I've ever been in it never comes out great right away yeah. and it, and I've some artists are like they really are impatient and you're just like look just relax like, yeah, this process. is a process it yeah. doesn't it doesn't just all of a sudden sound awesome the first time you play and yeah. you just have to let it happen and he'd obviously been around the block a few times and played some music yeah. his entire life and knew and already understood that and he was very positive and I you know it was the same thing maybe for you I mean I only saw it I didn't ever meet him but it had that same impact on me as well that he yeah. actually was a very lovely person yeah. to work with yeah and I, I, know, I went into it knowing that he was like a like a dancing genius I, kn- I knew it and I obviously knew that his music was was very clever but I didn't know how involved in the process he was because I kind of I kind of thought that he would you know have a lot of people around him writing his songs and producing his songs and stuff and that just wasn't the case like there were I remember this one day and we were doing rehearsals and he was like he just stopped everybody on stage and bear in mind we had like we had all the original multi-tracks of all the original recordings. Oh, we had wow. everything That's there. That's amazing. And then we would just pick, or they would pick the parts. You know, if the band were going to play it, they'd lose the original part and the band played it. But there was such complex layering of the music that they, um, there were some parts in, you know, we call it the box, you know, the playback system. Mm-hmm. There were some parts that the band just couldn't play, you know. It was just something weird or a weird patch or whatever. So it stayed in the, in the box, in the playback system. So there was one day and he stopped everybody and he was like, stop, 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 stop. And, like, and everyone's like, what, what, what's going on? He's like, Something, something's missing. And, you know, they'd been working on it for like 10 weeks, you know, like trying to make sure it was nailed. They'd got everything down. It sounded mm. like the record, you know. And he was like, something's missing. And they were like, no, it's, it can't be. We've got everything. It can't be missing. And he was like, something's missing, something's missing. I'm going to go to my dressing room and then you guys work out and I'll come back. So it's like so everyone's like scrambling, like something's missing, something's missing, and they played back all the original tracks, and then on the, like one of the very last tracks, there was like an individual like cowbell, just like a, a hit of a cowbell, just like a dunk, <laughs> and he knew that wasn't there. And he, but he couldn't like describe it at the moment because his head was. He didn't. He didn't know what it was specifically, but he was just like, I know something's not there, and they were like, it's, it's all there, it has to be there. And they played it all back, and there was yeah, this one hit missing on this cowbell, and they. And That's then, what they found out what it was. Like, oh, that cowbell. Yeah, and oh then, and then, and everybody after that was like, whoa. Yeah, that this is guy's crazy. got mad ears, you know. And he and he knows his music. Oh man, he, he was. Knew. Absolute genius. Yeah. Well, so that's that's really that's really sad actually. So tell me about what happened when you guys found out. So we were we'd got as far as so the last part of the rehearsals was so there's band rehearsals and then there was production rehearsals and then there was like dress rehearsals at Staples Center. It was getting close, right, to the touring. Mate, right? we were like a week away from loading it out. We were going to put it on a load of massive aircrafts and fly it straight to London. Yeah, because it wasn't it like 50 sold-out shows or something crazy 50 like that? 50 at the O2, yeah. <laughs> Sold out in like and that, a heartbeat. Oh, my gosh. And then, then it would have probably done more than that. Like, oh, yeah, and then the plan was to like fly it all around the world for three or four years, you know? Oh, my gosh. So, so your contract was like good to go. It was like... We're, we're, we're locking you up for four years yeah I mean, your life was we were, set you we, knew exactly what you were doing we were all in yeah, you had houses it. you were buying <laughs> you had cars <laughs> you had it all worked out we were good to go yeah we were like easy street this is yeah. great um, so we did the final bit of rehearsals at um, Staples Center and we I remember we wrapped we wrapped up for that day. Let me just sort of quickly interject. To rehearse at Staples Center is crazy. Yeah. To yeah. say, hey, we're going to, let's go to a place to rehearse. Let's just do the whole arena. Yeah, it's just the whole just arena. Just block that. How, how long was that? Two, like arena. two weeks or something? I think they had it for two weeks. Oh, yeah. my God. I think it was something like that, 10 days, two What weeks. is that, like, you know, a couple grand a day to rent? Or <laughs> oh, mate, I have no idea. Ridiculous, oh right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, money was no real object. Yeah. So we got to the end of the day, and I remember the very last song you did that day was Thriller. Um, 
Thriller was the last song. It was just the last song wow, I remember him rehearsing poetic. that day, you know? Yeah. Um, and there was like a little spider thing that came out. <laughs> and I remember that, and that was the first time we'd used it, and it was all a bit weird. And then it was like, right, we're done for the day. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I remember walking out of Staples down towards like the loading dock, and I, I remember seeing him get in the car. It was me and Mike, the monitor guy. We saw him get in the car, and he like waved goodbye. And then he got in the car, and then he was... drove himself off. No, no, no. no. It's like a... yeah, exactly, yeah. bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got in his uh, little push bike and <laughs> moped. Um, and then the next day, we went in as usual. We went and started setting up and stuff and getting everything ready. And then uh, it was basically just like you see on the on the movie, you know, like on the this is it thing, like there was we got called to this meeting and they were like he's been in an accident but he'd want everyone to carry on as usual and we were like mm, pretty weird and then I started, and you guys were at work we were there we were at stables yeah literally oh. just in front of the stage we all just had a little meeting oh my gosh and then my brother called me from the UK and he was like um, I've just heard he, Michael Jackson's just died and I was like, nah, don't be stupid. He was just here last night. Yeah, no and I, I remember his car car being there as well because he had the same car every day. And I remember that being out... Because oh. they used to drive him into Staples all the way around the corridor and right outside his dressing room. They'd drive the car all the way in. And his car was there, so I was like, nah, don't be stupid. And then about half an hour later, we got called into another meeting. They were like, yeah, he's just passed away. And then it, it was just carnage whoa Absolute wow that carnage. must have been crazy because like hundreds of workers at least right hundreds, oh yeah there would be a hundred people there a hundred people and oh man what a what an absolute just horrific event yeah I couldn't imagine to actually be there especially I mean I'm selfishly just thinking if I was like in the band or something yeah you're thinking you're about ready to do this big tour totally and, and I mean I really remember thinking that like man those musicians must be so upset yeah. like and they for him but then just in general it's like your whole livelihood's just changed overnight mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do was there any sort of like compensation for it, it was just like nah it's over game um, over I don't really know everybody's individual yeah. kind of contracts but you know the way this work can't way this industry is isn't it you know yeah. if you don't do the work you don't yeah you get don't get paid, paid so. I'm not that I'm worried about that but just more in general I know that was on a lot of people's minds especially dancers because I know that it's hard to get a job in general being yeah a I think the main thing for everybody who did that was like regardless of the money it was like we were just about to do the it was probably the best pop show there would ever been I mean it looked like it was going to be the um, best thing of all no, time. It was a, I think it's the best thing it's easily the best thing I've ever seen you know like and it was unreal and everybody was so proud of it and everyone was just getting real like I said a I mean that's away. what I, to me that was the most bummer part was that I didn't get to even yeah. see this thing come out and like really totally you know because everybody I mean I was, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan that was like when I was growing up Thriller was my favorite record and used to listen to it on my Walkman all day and night with headphones. And it was the first time I discovered headphones. And I yeah. it's like, whoa, the guitar's over here. I didn't really understand <laughs> it. And it was it just sounded incredible. And it still to this day, every time I listen to it, I'm like, wow, it still stands the test, stood the test of time. Still yeah. sounds amazing. And um, so, I mean, that was like, that was, I remember where I was too. Like, I was completely just beside myself when I read the news. It, yeah. I'm sure everybody was. And... I think I was in playing Bonnaroo like that weekend actually it was like coming up or something I was playing a bunch of festivals that summer and um, everybody oh yeah I was playing Rothbury which was a big festival in I think Michigan somewhere and everybody was tripping and every, every band was doing some sort of Michael Jackson yeah, song yeah I bet yeah. yeah and we decided not to we were like let's not join that <laughs> crew like we're not, we don't need to do beat it um, but yeah man it was it was a huge impact on for the music community, you know. Aside from all the all the rumors and all the allegations that happened with him, yeah, just the talent that was lost and oh, mate, you know. Well, I guess we could talk about Michael all day, but you know, yeah, mate, it's that's such that. an interesting topic. Yeah, know? it's amazing. It's like the highlight of my my career for sure. You know, like that was and a, and a kind of unexpected one as well. You know. Yeah. Well, so after that happened, then, um, what what was the next step? Was it was that right into Mariah? Was that kind of no? Mariah's way down the line here. Yeah, Mariah's relatively recent. Like after MJ, I'm trying to. Think. Oh, mate, I can't even remember. Like it's been 
different tours to different tours. Did, did a load of Tom Jones, which I absolutely love. Oh, like, Tom Jones, he's great. He's a he's a legend. Yeah, he's amazing. So what were you doing for Tom? Was it monitors? Now it's like all downhill. You're from Michael now, even though Tom Jones is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was no, I wasn't. I was I was teching again. I did a load of teching stuff um, for Tom, and that was cool. That was like a summer, four months or something, where we just private jet all around Europe and do a load of different shows you know oh man it was does, every, does everybody still do the girls still throw, throw their uh, panties on stage oh like, yeah all of that night? yeah oh man it's horrendous <laughs> oh yeah because you gotta go out and pick oh, them I up no I wouldn't pick them up that's not my job <laughs> you put on the gloves no way <laughs> stay away from them man, he, still, he still rocks it he's amazing I, I mean I, I don't really know the order I can't really remember exactly but um, yeah I did a load of that and then a load of Weird, like weird, different stuff. Really, there's this, there's like a f- uh, musical theatre guy called Michael Ball who plays around the UK and Europe, and he does like songs from the shows and all that kind of stuff. And nice. So, just yeah, little bit, bits and bobs here and there. Bit of, oh, and then I did when I did Usher. Actually, that was not long after that. Oh yeah. So yeah, you've talked about Usher a few times. What are you? What were you doing for that? You were running monitors. So I did right? monitors for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's just a. He's a legend. He's amazing. He's incredible. Like, yeah, he, he's another one of those guys. When I watch him perform, I'm like, wow! Like, he can do it all. He's kind of like Michael in that sense. He can write, sing, he can dance. Totally, yeah, yeah, totally. Maybe, maybe doesn't have the songs, obviously, that MJ had, but in terms of just kind of talents, he's, he's got. But to me, he's got great songs because, like, you know, early two thousands. He was dominating. Yeah, true. Like true, all true. those amazing songs. Confessions. And, and all that. Exactly. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, they were so good. Yeah, true. He's, what was his show like? Was it like a full setup, like uh, his props show was, and his show was huge. Yeah, we did we did a load of rehearsals for that. In same again in LA, we did four or five weeks of rehearsals, and uh, it was a huge kind of arena arena tour of dancers and all the rest of it, you know. And it was it was cool. We did all, and then we did. Did about a year and a half of that all over the world. Oh, nice world tour! Did you go to Asia? Yeah, we did Asia. We did, we did everything. And then if there was anywhere we didn't go, we went back and did it again. You know, we did the US three times. We did Asia, Europe, Australia. You know, like we, we smashed it pretty hard that tour. Um, and that was that was a really fun tour. It was really nice. I had some really good friends working with me on that. Um, was that a full band or was that playback? That was full band and playback. Oh, yeah. everything. Bit of both, yeah. Great yeah. bands. Um, yeah, that was fun. That was a really fun like year and a half of my life. Wow, it was cool. Mariah Carey, let's get there now. So I know you worked with her for for many years, right? Wow, no, I didn't work with her for that long, really. But she's yeah, she's uh, she's in, in, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think we should probably leave that there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, was that a Vegas show? Is that what the thing was? That was a Vegas show. Yeah, I did a Vegas, couple of Vegas runs with her at Caesars, and then we did a European tour. Um, yeah, like two or three months in Europe, bouncing around Europe. So then, when did you meet Passenger? So I was, I was, in the middle. I done. I just finished this. I just finished a Rod Stewart tour, and I was just about to do Tom Jones. And I was in the middle of the two, and I had like three weeks off, something like that. And a friend of mine, Joey, who was used to do front of house for, for Passenger, he um, he was le- he couldn't carry on doing front of house for Passenger for whatever reason. And I got a call to say, was I interested in doing it? And it, he was just having a show in Southampton, which I was in Salisbury at the time, I was home, and it's literally like half an hour down the road. I want to go and see it and see if I wanted to do it so I was like yeah cool I'd love to and I went down there and it was like it was like a kind of thousand capacity room um, and I walked in and I've, I, it was like the gig it was like the gig wasn't even on it was so quiet in there I'd never experienced anything like it and it was most it was, it, I can't even describe it really you know how quiet passengers gigs get you know everyone's yeah, so yeah. and he was it. by himself at this point he was right? by himself he was on his own and he'd play these songs and these songs were beautiful and then people were so quiet so respectful and then they loved it and I'd never experienced I'd only ever experienced just drunk people you know dancing around I'd never really experienced people actually 
genuinely giving a shit about music, you know? Yeah, because all, all the artists you work for were huge, but they weren't, the, the followings were already there established, so yeah. you got people just taking expensive dates out and drinking and Exactly, yeah, off. getting the VIP package exactly, and all that Exactly, they don't stuff. really care. And they're not really mute, this might sound wrong, but like, uh, they are music fans, but they're, you know, they're not, passenger fans are like, they're into it. Yeah. You know, hook, line, singer, and they, they're empathetic with all the words and everything that Mike's saying, and they love they like they like him as a person. They feel like they know him. Yeah, and so it's intimate. It's like it's they're, intimate, they're yeah. like they're they're being sang to the whole night. They're not like you know you go and see Usher. You're like yeah, I've seen him on TV. Yeah. He's famous. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. I'm gonna go yeah, get my dance yeah, on yeah. and get my drink, and that's it. You know exactly. So when you go to a mic concert, you're right. Everybody's quiet. Everybody's listening. And they love like, it. No, that that hour and a half of their life is. Unreal, and they'll talk about that for months and months mm-hmm. and months. You know, oh, whereas yeah. other people, it's it's very fickle, it's fleeting, it's gone. You know, it's like that was a good night. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's the end of it. So I really I really dug that, and then I met Mike, and he's yeah easily the nicest person I've ever met. You know, easily, and just just loved it. And I uh, I said I'd love to do it, and uh, I didn't really expect to be doing it for very long because I kind of thought Joey was going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did it and then I went and bounced onto the Tom Jones thing that I had to do and then I came back and um, and I've just been there ever since yeah loved it and how long ago was that? about two and a half years ago wow so yeah so we're kind of like well you're a little before me but it hasn't like three years maybe yeah and it's evolved from you know Mike playing on his own but I mean the guy can like play on his own stand on a stage in front of 70,000 people and it and it just be the most it'd still be the most intimate thing you've ever heard yeah it translates it's yeah. so weird it's so odd and it's so different you know like it's 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 genuine kind of genuine singer-songwriter music that means a lot to people exactly and yeah. you're running and that's when you became the front house and the production manager now it's like the more responsibility yeah all that stuff I and don't know if, um, kind of like a team camaraderie as well now like you're not just part of this huge 60 man exactly group. yeah it's more it's more of a thing that I can being involved in and and we've picked some really nice people to work with us and we've whittled it down to a really nice group of people yeah know, band and I group. agree it's it's really like come in and come from me coming in I could see that everybody was solid the crew you guys had like a family it yeah. wasn't like oh it's just a bunch of guys that work together it's like yeah. everybody had a certain personality that that fit in and I mean you went from uh, you started with Lionel Richie well you started with cleaning speakers. Yeah. To Lionel Richie. I still love cleaning his figs as well. I've got a thing for it. I love it. <laughs> Working with Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, Usher, Passenger, and now you get to mix keyboards for me every night on stage. Mate, what do you think I of know. that? Mate, I am <laughs> over the moon. And this has really been the highlight yeah, exactly. of my career so far. I think we might have talked about it, but yeah. Yeah. Meeting you, mate. Is- it really changed things. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your stories. Thanks, mate. Um, let's go golfing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you five shots as well. Oh, well, I'm going to need at least ten. No, we talked, me and Ch- Cheesy talked about it earlier. We're going to both play off the same and we're going to give you five shots. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. And it's 20 bucks. All right, I'm in. All right, man, thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. Nice Peace. One.